the Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching, the leading priests and elders came up to him. They demanded, By what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. If you answer one question, Jesus replied, Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven, or was it merely human? They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask us, why didn't we believe John? But if we say it was merely human, we'll be mobbed because the people believe John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, Then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, Yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two boys obeyed his father? They replied, The first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Because I'm the mama, that's why. It is so good to hear those words come from our daughter. With Samuel and Sarah living with us now, we get to hear a lot of things that we used to say to her and to her brother. It's her turn to assert her authority whenever Samuel challenges her. And that really doesn't happen any more than every couple of minutes. And Susan and I, just to make sure we don't get out of the habit, Susan and I have also been heard to say things like, because I'm the grandparent, that's why. Whenever someone wants to know who is in charge, their question really is, who do you think you are? And clearly, that was what the religious leaders were asking Jesus in the temple that day. Just so we set the context for today's reading, Jesus has made his triumphal entry into the capital city of Jerusalem. And then the next day he went in and uh, 
turned out all those who were, were making the, the temple into what he called a den of robbers instead of a house of prayer. Today, he's back. And with good reason, the religious leaders want to know, who told you you could do that? Who gave you the right? In other words, who do you think you are? And Jesus, in good rabbi form, answered their question with another question. I'll answer you, he says, if you give me the answer to this question. Who was John the Baptist? By what authority did he baptize? Now clearly, the religious leaders did not think much of John the Baptist, but they were in a quandary because they knew that regardless of what they said could really determine what the outcome of this conversation would be. And so they were stumped. They didn't know. And Jesus said, well, I'm not going to answer your question either, but tell me, what do you think about this? And then he told the story of the two boys who were both asked by their father to go out and, and work in the vineyard. The first one said he didn't have any interest in going out and work, but he decided to do it anyway. And the second one seemed enthusiastic by what he said, but he didn't go. And then came that all-important question. Which one of those two boys did the will of their father? Which one of them did what the father wanted them to do? And it was clear that the boy who started out by saying no, but ended up going to work, did what the father wanted. Now, if that were all there was to this passage, then we could just say amen and call it a day. But Jesus continues on. Still talking to the religious folks, he said, whores and scalawags are going to get into the kingdom of God before you do. They may not look like they appreciate what John had to say. They may not look like they really appreciate what God wants them to do by, by what they say and how they live. But when they hear what it means to live like God wants them to live, they pay attention. They do something about it. They change. But you, you shout amen and don't do a thing about it. Jesus was making it very plain. It's not just the right words that matter. It's what follows after that that makes the difference. He actually was using that old adage, actions really do speak louder than words. Now wouldn't it be wonderful if we read this passage of Scripture and thought, well, that's a nice tale about how Jesus related to the folks in his day. That way we wouldn't have to worry about answering his questions. We wouldn't have to worry about him 
challenging us, we wouldn't have to admit that a lot of times we're the ones sitting in the amen corner. Oh, we hear the Bible teach us that we are to live together as brothers and sisters, and, and we say amen. We know we're taught that we should love God by loving neighbor, and boy, we respond amen. We hear those great stories about the Good Samaritan, or how we're supposed to, to pray for those who wrong us and, and turn the other cheek, how we're supposed to clothe the naked and feed the hungry, and we yet say, yay, amen! But amen is not the end of it. Amen is not like the girl, little girl who told her pastor one time, that she liked that amen part of the service because that meant she got to go home. No, amen is more than that. Amen means, may it be so. And so Jesus is teaching us today that amen is just the beginning. Saying amen means that when we get home, we start living into all those things we said amen to. But we know, don't we, that there are lots of times that we don't do such a great job of it. Or at least people don't think we do. I had a friend who worked for IBM before he became a pastor. And one day he was sitting in his cubicle after having attended a, a big Reformation rally the night before. So while he was working at his computer, he was humming a mighty fortress. A co-worker walked by and stopped and asked him what he was humming. And he told her the tune and he also shared with her how meaningful it was for him to go to that service because he was a Lutheran. And her response was, huh, I never knew you were a Christian. I don't think many of us would like that to be said about us. But could it? Jesus is challenging us. He's challenging us, the, the religious folks of this day, to practice what we preach. To stop just being in the amen corner and shouting glory, hallelujah, but rather to live glory, hallelujah. And a good place to start in doing that is to pay attention to what St. Paul said in his letter to the Philippians today. He tells the Philippians that, that their behavior is more important than belief, or rather, that their behavior reveals their belief. And he says, if Christ's love means anything to you, if being part of his community matters to you, then let it show. 
in how you live and how you treat one another. Listen again from the message. Paul says, do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own way. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. And then he says, think of yourself the way Jesus Christ thought of himself. And then he goes on to, un to reveal what Jesus thought of himself. He was the Son of God. Equal to God in every respect. And yet, he humbled himself. He emptied himself, becoming a slave and dying for the sake of the world. And for that, God exalted Jesus above everything else. The one who sunk so low has been raised up above every name. The one who was raised up on the cross and descended into hell has now been placed above all of heaven and hell for all eternity. He is Lord of all. God turned every expectation and every judgment that the world gave to Jesus, He turned it upside down and demonstrated God's love for the world, not just in words, but in giving the world His own Son. And as Lord of all, He calls us to do the same. Amen to that. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not Jesus. How, how can we do what He did? Where, where in the world would we even begin? Well, the first place would be to let our actions match our words. To let our lives Show what we confess. That Jesus is the one who we follow. In other words, the better people get to know us, the better they get to know Jesus. And can you think of anything more important in this day and time than helping people see Christ? We're living in such broken times. Times full of strife, bitterness, anger, mistrust, dehumanizing other people for all kinds of sometimes even trivial things and concerns. We're exhausted from having to, to give up a life that we thought we knew how to live and we're, unsure, we're as unsure of what the future holds as people have been in generations. But there are so many people in this world who are seeking 
a message of hope, a message of transformation. They don't want to just be invited to a church. They want something that is going to help fill their lives and change their lives and with it change the world. And the truth is, we, the church of Jesus Christ, we are uncertain about the future too. We've had to give up our way of doing church the way we've done it for generations. And, and we're exhausted at how to, to think about doing it in a new way. We're uncertain as to what that new way is going to look like in the future. Doing all this new stuff is hard work. And so is living out our faith. Living out what we say we believe. But maybe this time of challenge can also be a time of great opportunity. That learning this new way of living, this new way of doing church, will allow us to set aside all of the things that kept us from understanding and experiencing what God really wants for us. Paul is encouraging us to see that when we look to Christ, we see Him gathering us together as a community, helping to put aside our, our differences and our boundaries and our conflicts. He is empowering us to live these, in these new ways and look for more and more opportunities to put our own needs aside for the needs of others. To empty ourselves so that we might serve those around us, our friends and family, our co-workers and neighbors, and especially those the world calls outcasts. Even as Jesus asserts his authority and, and challenges us today, he wants us to remember that he is the one who emptied himself, who said yes, and then did what he said he was going to do, and he did it all for us. He does not challenge us without also inviting us to remember who we are. A child of God. One whom God loves and adores. One of all of the world that God loves and has given His Son for. Working in our lives here and now, He helps us not only our tongues to confess, but also our lives to confess why we live for Him. Because He is the Lord. That's why. So let all God's people say Amen. And may all God's people live Amen.